From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. As of this moment, there are 38 members of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, or OECD. And if it were up to Brazil, the 39th member would be, well, Brazil. The South American giant is trying to join the international body in an attempt to do that. It's overhauling its rules for transfer pricing, or the way two different businesses within one multinational company do transactions with each other. This could have a big impact on international taxation in South America and beyond. And to talk about the implications, we'll be hearing from Homero Tavares, a partner at PwC in Brazil. Homero talked to Bloomberg Tax's Isabel Gottlieb about where transfer pricing is heading in his country and where it is now. Brazil has had a transfer pricing law since 1996. So if you go back and think about when the uh, guidelines really started uh, to be adopted, it was not too long before 95 and for a few countries, of course, earlier. And for the U.S., the standard has been around for a lot longer. But the point is that at that moment in time, um, as there is still today, there was a lot of controversy around how the arm's length standard was effectively applied in practice. And the authority back then felt that Brazil did not have the uh, capacity or even the environment to use a rule that was deemed to be too subjective. So they came up with an idea of um, creating proxies to the arm's length standard. The problem is they did not have all the nuances of what an economic study would be like because in their view, in Brazil's view back then, that would be too subjective and too uncertain and prone to too much litigation. So they basically came up with the idea of using statutorily fixed margins for each of those transactional methods. And knowing that these could lead to strange results, what the authority also did was to compensate uh, for that with the non-application of a best method rule. So the taxpayers could apply any of the formulas, any of the methods to come up with a result that would yield the lowest taxable income that would be acceptable as um, Brazil would be viewing this as an anti-abuse provision, as an anti-base erosion provision. Problem is that as that rule was uh, regulated and legislated over time, the formulas became also exceedingly complex. A lot of litigation also took place. And a lot of instances of double taxation, of course, took place because the methods do not translate or do not converge to what the other side of the same transaction would be applying. And at the same time, in some instances, it could even lead to institutionalized non-taxation, to double non-taxation, because there wouldn't be enough margin allocated to Brazilian sources under the formulas, whereas under uh, an application of the arms length standard, perhaps there would be. Just to to level set on terminology um, for, for sort of a broader audience, maybe sort of describe the arms length standard in the context of what Brazil is moving towards. Well, this is actually something that I credit to the U.S. for better or worse. But it is um, uh, the best tool we have for intercompany pricing. So for pricing of transactions between companies that are related to one another within a multinational group, for example. So companies that operate in many different uh, jurisdictions, they do engage in all kinds of transactions among themselves. So the solution to avoid manipulation of those prices, since there's no independence between the parties that are transacting here. So imagine there's a tax differential 
between countries. There would be then an incentive for less profit to be attributed to the country with the higher rate of uh, income tax, right? So several decades ago, I would say in the 60s, the idea came out. And then in 1979, the U.S. came up with a long-form report, uh, uh, if you will, proposing how to regulate that standard. It was a standard that was um, used, but very loosely used in the context of tax treaties. But the U.S. came up with a way to actually regulate how that could work in domestic law, where basically you determine that transactions between related parties should be carried out uh, you, under the same terms and conditions that would be applicable between unrelated parties. So looking at the new system Brazil is adopting, I'm interested in what this means for companies. And on the one hand, uh, there were potential double tax issues, for instance, in, in the mismatch between Brazil's current system, the, the fixed margin system, and the arm's length standard. Um, but the fixed margin system did also offer a degree of certainty. You, you sort of knew what you were getting. What benefits come with this move to this new transfer pricing system um, for companies? Um, and at the same time, where has this project uh, raised concerns for businesses? Um, what are some of the points that they're kind of keeping an eye on as this work goes forward? Yeah. So here's the, 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 the difficulty with respect to Brazil. Brazil is a very large um, enclosed economy. So different from situations where the arm's length standard has been applied either between open economies, uh, large and small, or involving smaller closed economies, uh, you have in Brazil, um, let's say an environment, a market where relative prices might differ from what you see outside of Brazil, because again, there's enough production, supply, and enough demand and consumption internally that can result in very different answers. So very different margins and returns for the same businesses that you would see elsewhere making uh, either more or less profits. To find comparables within the Brazilian market might be very difficult because there's not a lot of publicly traded uh, firms here with publicly available information. For the most part, it results in Brazil having less investment coming in and it results in prices to local consumers being inflated. So for the most part, that's what it does. But on the other hand, it also impedes Brazil from participating in global value chains. So Brazil cannot be a part to those more elongated chains where multinationals will, will source products in multiple countries for distributions in multiple countries. Because once you put Brazil into one of those chains, this difference in transfer pricing and the potential double tax that Brazil could have just make it not efficient. So by adopting the arm's length standard, the expectation is that both uh, problems would be diminished. So that's the upside of going there. And the complexity, again, is how exactly will you deal with that uncertainty which is inherent to the arm's length standard, but which perhaps could be worse given the lack of data in Brazil. Um, but then thirdly, whether there'll be any transition. So the authorities have presented already their intent of coming up with uh, the new system over a transition period of two to three years, which might be okay and with the possibility of early adoption by those taxpayers that feel that they're ready, that they have enough information, that they have robust studies. Let's say you're talking to a corporate tax director whose company has operations in Brazil. Uh, what are kind of the most important things for that person to know 
about this project. If you say, you know, keep an eye on these one or two issues as they develop for somebody who's going to be kind of dealing with this on uh, directly for their business, what should they be paying attention to? That's a great question, Isabel. Basically, it's an unknown, right? So what we know is how the environment has been in Brazil since forever, which is highly litigious. So we don't have in Brazil, for instance, um, uh, alternative dispute resolution methods, uh, settlement, uh, arbitration, and things like that. So when we look at the experience that multinationals have outside of Brazil, a lot of the uncertainty they face um, in transfer pricing gets resolved via rulings, so via advanced pricing agreements, uh, via mutual, agree- mutual agreement procedures under tax treaties, uh, or via settlement with the authorities. Neither of those experiences um, uh, really um, exist in Brazil's uh, you know, history. So what I would say is, of course, uh, the good news is we're going to be applying the arm's length standard. The bad news is we're still Brazil when it comes to resolving disputes and, and controversies and so forth. So, you know, no news in this case um, is kind of okay news, which is, you know, it's not because we're applying the arm's length standard that all of a sudden we become a tax haven. It's still a bit of hell. Uh, to deal with, but it's uh, manageable and definitely more manageable if at least we're using the same standard. In terms of next steps, will we see legislation, a draft of legislation come out um, that would be followed by um, regulatory guidance down the road? Is there an order? Is there sort of a time frame expected for this? There is. Uh, basically, what the authority has announced is that they will be uh, conducting a series of events with stakeholders where they will be gathering uh, feedback. The point is that gathering feedback on what? On the terms of the presentation that was made or on a draft bill? We haven't seen a draft bill yet. One has not been publicly uh, uh, you know, shared. But the expectation is that within the next month, and some of this is happening already, I've been to a few of those meetings already, where conceptually uh, the terms of what might be in the statute or not is discussed in a, in a very collaborative way with the Brazilian authority. Uh, but what the business community and the academic community and the tax community are eager to work with is the actual texts. The two wild cards here are there's a lot of pressure also from the non-Brazilian multinationals mainly, but especially the U.S. after the U.S. foreign tax credit regs came out, the final regs, for this to be faster. So the authority could either propose what we call a provisional measure, which is um, you know, a law that takes effect immediately but has to be, if you will, ratified by Congress within a shorter period of time. So they could present that. I've never heard of a transfer pricing emergency law before, but that sounds like this is what this would be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But we've had, we've had, you know, provisional measures on CFC rules. We've had provisional measures on VAT. I mean, there was all kinds of, uh, you know, more provisional measures than what there should have been in the past. And of course, uh, this has changed for the better. So we, we actually had more tax laws changing via projects of law than we did via provisional measures. But given that, you know, this is very sensitive, um, uh, given the relevance of U.S. investment into Brazil, it's the largest foreign investor here, trade on services and royalties with the U.S., it's by far the largest 
among all of Brazil's trading partners. So could the U.S. foreign tax credit problem serve as a nudge for Brazil to speed things up? Yes, it could. But then there is a third avenue, which actually institutionally might be appropriate, but it's also dangerous uh, if we don't have enough time to review the project, which is we have a corporate tax reform approved in the House and, um, you know, supposedly to be approved in the Senate, uh, perhaps within the next month or two, you know, if it's to happen this year. And given that it's on corporate income tax, um, procedurally, you could have the transfer pricing rule amended, actually basically um, included by the Senate and then reconciled with the House. So we could have this uh, transfer pricing reform pigging back on corporate tax reform. That's a very unlikely scenario, as well as the provisional measure scenario, but it's not outside of the spectrum of what's possible. So that could happen, right? The more likely scenario is we see a project of law this year, we see draft regs perhaps later this year, and all of it is really actually resolved and finalized next year. That was Homero Tavares with PwC in Brazil speaking with Limburg Tax's Isabel Godley. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself and Meg Shreve. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.